0: Hallelujah. Hey, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. If you're taking notes, today's message is titled, and and I did not tell the worship team to sing that last song. I really did not. It would have been a great idea to tell them, but um, I'm glad that they picked that song. And um, I hope that we could um, sing that song at the end one more time. It's going to go perfect with today's message. Today's message is titled, Because God Loves Us because God loves us. In a, in a, in a few minutes, I'm gonna tell you why I'm sharing this message and, and how it's spoken to my heart. Because God loves us. Before I, I get into it, I w- I'd like to start off with a question. And in this question, do not raise your hands and do not answer it publicly right now. Um, you could answer it on a sheet of paper where you're taking notes or go ahead and answer it on your Bible and that will be just okay for now. But if I were to ask everyone here If I were to tell you guys, hey, by a show of hands, which I'm not, you're going to answer it there on yourself, but by a show of hands, how many of you would say God loves you because Jesus uh, died? Don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand though, please. (laughs) How many of you would say God loves you because Jesus died for you? God loves you because Jesus died for you. Um, How many of you, how would you answer that? Um, Would you put uh, absolutely, uh, yes. Write that down maybe. On a paper, God loves you uh, because, and I wrote it there on the screen there so that way you could, uh, you could see it. God loves you because Jesus died for you. So I'll give you a few seconds as you write down that short answer. And um, I'm sure around this room, if I were to call on some of you, like in a classroom setting, many of you guys would have answered this differently. Um, hopefully all of you would have answered it the same but as I've asked you to write this answer, I, I really want to just probe at this and talk about this. And I want to show you one main point and one main thing today, and it's this. I want to show you that if you put yes, it um, doesn't mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that you are not lo- saved does not mean that you do not love God and that God doesn't love you. But if, if you did put yes, that God loves me because Jesus died for me, that that's pretty much the incorrect answer, that that's not the right answer. So don't feel bad if you put yes because you're going to grow from this message today. And you're going to recognize, oh, I see what he's saying. I see what scripture is teaching. It's not necessarily that God loves you because Jesus died for you. So as I get into this, I want to share with you how this started in my heart. I'm reading a, a book from an author and from a preacher that I, that I admire. And he discusses this in one of his segments of his book. And as he was discussing this, it really tugged at my heart. And this Thursday, I was uh, on this part and I kept reading it. And as I was reading it, it blessed me because it reminded me how much God really does love me. And as I knew I was going to share today, I just thought about you guys and how much God really does love you. And and that blessed me in that book when when I read that, Um, especially this Thursday when I read it. So God loves us because Jesus died for us. I don't think that And I don't believe that God loves us because Jesus died for us. The uh, the author goes on to say that that actually sounds pretty spiritual. That Jesus redeemed our mess. That he died for our unrighteousness. Now God is free to love us. That when he sees us, he sees Jesus. So therefore, he is pleased. And that's why he can love us. And that's why he could put up with us, right? And everyone might say, right. And then the answer is wrong. That's not why. One of the most popular verses that we know and we see it on TV, especially a lot in football games, and we quote it a lot, is John 3.16, right? Let's go ahead and together let's look at it and let's remember it in our minds here. Look, Look at these words, ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amazing verse. The whole chapter is great. But what do we see in this scripture? And I want you to see this today, that that as we read John 3.16 and as we get into all of this, it's that God doesn't love us because Jesus died for us. The way we should be saying it, it's like this. It's that Jesus died for us because God loves us. How many of you could say amen? amen? And that blessed me this week. Because who doesn't like to be told, man, you are loved by God, or you are loved by someone. Who doesn't like to be told that? I mean, think about this. You know what a mess, right? You you know what you've just done. You know what you've maybe just committed. You've known what you've just thought, and yet someone still tells you, I still love you. Who would not love that in their lives? And here we see in the scriptures that Jesus died for us because there is a love that comes from heaven. There is a love that comes from God. In Mark chapter 2, if you're taking notes, you can write this. I'm going to jump into two stories in the book of Mark real quick. I think about two different occasions in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 2. I think about the paralytic man. Remember his story? His four friends... Jesus is teaching in a house in Capernaum and his four friends climb up on the roof. They make a hole in the roof. They begin to bring the man down. As Jesus is teaching, they interrupt his teaching and he's lowered from this roof. And Jesus, in verse 5, in Mark chapter 2, looks at this man on his bed. And what does he tell him? He says, my child, your sins are forgiven. But in the crowd, there's some teachers, some religious men in the crowd. And they begin to say to each other these words. What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. You know, Mark chapter 2, the beginning of that chapter, it's such an amazing story. Because Jesus doesn't heal him first, but he saves him first. And the religious teachers here are astonished yet filled with anger at the same time. And what we see here is that Jesus didn't heal him and tell him, hey, you need to walk a day or a month or a year in me so that you can be saved. I love this story because we see God's love for us. We see God's love for the paralytic man. We see God's love for all of humanity in this passage. see the religious leaders wow what is he saying only God can forgive sins and I look at this passage and I say what what do you say exactly Jesus sent to forgive our sins Jesus sent to redeem us of our filth not so that God can love us but because God already loves us amen and that's that's it, that's that's the story of God where He wants to do to mankind. He loves us so He sends Christ to redeem, to forgive. It's not that happened so that God can love us. And that's why I asked this question in the beginning, where I said, how many of you would say that God loves you because Jesus, because Jesus died for you? No, it's because God already loves you. Which is the reason why Christ has done what he has done for us. How many of you can say amen? In that same chapter, in Mark chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 specifically, and I'll read 17 as well. Jesus is invited to a tax collector's house. His name is Levi. And Levi invites Jesus and his disciples to his house as a dinner guest. And it says in verse 15, along with Jesus were many tax collectors and many known sinners, many known sinners. As a matter of fact, it goes on to tell us that many sinners of this kind were among Jesus' followers. They were following Jesus, many sinners like tax collectors and who knows who else, but they were all around Jesus all the time. And in verse 16, it says, when the teachers and the religious, of the religious law, the Pharisees saw Jesus eating with tax collectors. And when they saw him eating with the other sinners, they began to ask the disciples, why does he eat with such scum? That's, that's amazing. Why does he eat with such sinners? Jesus, verse 17, hearing what they were saying. Knowing what they were discussing, he tells them this. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. It's sick people that need a doctor. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Any, anyone here know that they are sinners? And I read verse 15, 16 and 17, and I see that, that God doesn't just love those who feel that they have their lives in order or that they have made it in their spiritual journey. Did you notice that in that passage? Jesus says this. He says, he says "Sick people need a doctor. And I've come to call them. Not those who think they are righteous, but those who who know that they are unrighteous. Those who know that they are sinners. So this is what I get when I read this, that that God loves the sinner, so he sends his son to make them righteous. He he sends the son, not that, that God loves the sinner because his son has made them righteous. And man, this... As I was, I was, as I was reading that quote in that book, all these thoughts started to come into my heart as I was reading it this week. Because that's an encouragement for us sitting in this room. And that's an encouragement to many who have ears to hear. Well, what's the encouragement? That God loves you, sinner, so he desires through Christ Jesus to make you righteous. Man, praise God. Praise God that through Christ we can be made righteous. So if you wrote that quote down and if you answered it, we can't live thinking that God loves us because Jesus died for us. I hope you could write this down in your notes and I hope you just ponder on and you go on the week thinking about this. And here it is. Today, it's that we are reminded that Jesus died for us because God loves us. How many of you could praise God for that and say Amen. I need that in my life. My family needs that. My friends need this. People that I do life with every day need this in their lives. To know that God loves them. God loves them. And that's the reason why Christ died for them. The, the author, just to quote him for a second, he says this. He says, we think and we act like the only way God can love us is through Jesus. We think Oh, good thing Jesus died for me, because otherwise there's no way God could tolerate me. Man, how many of us have thought like that before? And, 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 and this is a great reminder. Good thing, man, Jesus died for me, because I don't know how God would have ever been able to tolerate me. Like You could actually stop today, and you could think about everything we're discussing today. And in your mind, you could say this. You could say, you could say, wow, Jesus loved me. Jesus loved me even when I was a mess. God loved me even when I was a disaster. Amen. I, I want to read an excerpt from the book. See if it touches any of your hearts. Um, not taking credit, but here it is. See if you get something out of it. It says this. We assume God is enamored with the future version of us. The perfect version of us. The impossible version of us. We work as hard as we can to fix ourselves because that's what God really cares about. That's what God expects. That's what we owe Him. But the person we are right now, with our messes, with our missteps, and our mistakes, not a chance. Our only hope is to hide behind Jesus' grace. It's as if the cross is some sort of body shield. And maybe if we can stop smoking, stop cussing, stop yelling at the kids, stop eating ice cream at 9 p.m. And actually make something of ourselves that God will be able to embrace us for who we are. He puts up with us for now, but man, he'll love us later. And maybe when we reach our goals or that ideal weight, that income level or that standard, we'll be able to love ourselves too. And then he says, I can't begin to tell you how flawed and how damaging this perspective is. Man, now you know why I'm preaching this to you guys today, because it really blessed me. You see, because when you look at Scripture and look at the Bible, it teaches us the exact opposite, that God loves us when we couldn't have cared less about Him. Remember that time? So how much more certain is his love for us now that we are actually wanting to know him and wanting to follow him? He loves us. It's because he loves you. You know, you should look at someone next to you and just remind them, hey, if you did not know this, God loves you because he loves you. Hey, why does God put up with you the way he puts up with you? What's the answer to that? It's because God loves us. Think about your marriage, where it's gone, where it's been. How can you, some of your marriages, can you testify? And you're present here today. Hopefully you're stronger here today. You're making it. You're making it. Why? Because God loves us. Think about where you were. Think about where you've been. Hey, think about where you're at right now. For some of you, think about where you're going. But at the end of it all, you got to come to grips and to face that. God's love is still strong for you right there where you were, where you've been, where you're at, and even where you will be. It's because God loves you. How many of you could say amen? God loves you. God loves you. Thank you, Lord, for loving me when I remember the time in my life When the last thing that I wanted to do was seek your love for me. Because there was years of that. There was years of me not wanting to love. And I'm sure there was years of you not wanting to chase his love and to know his love and to know his great plan for your life. Or to even open his word. But yet he was there and he was present. God loves you. Uh, I won't share the details of it, but I'll never forget when God, my conversion, and God just transformed my life. And salvation just was evident and and just filled me. And I began to live for Christ, and I was young. And I'll never forget, at that time, I walked into my sister's room, and and her and her boyfriend, they were there. And they were hanging out, and they were talking. And I walked in, and I said, I want to talk to you guys. And God was really, um, he was really uh, just, I was really shaken because God was doing a lot of work in me and, and, and I just kind of, I don't know if I want to call it, I just wanted to confess my sins to them or to show them what I've done and what God's been, whatever, however you want to call that, I guess confess my sins to them. Not to be forgiven, but just to show them what what's God's doing inside of me and I started to open up and, and I said, man, I'll never forget that I was with a group of friends and I started to go over with them just stupid stuff, you know. We, 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 were, we were at a party, and then after the party we had some issues with some guys, and I was young, I was stupid, I was young, who knows what they're doing at that age. And, and then we were going to meet up at some place to take care of some issue, and then I remember, what, and I started to go into details of, of some of the things that we had on us, and, and how dangerous that night could have been, if, if we would have met up with that other group and I remember that it was a, a famous um, hideout spot to always go to and, and we saw a bunch of cars come in and then they, they peeled out and they left and then we saw that nothing happened that night and we just stood there saying what a bunch of chickens, they didn't get down and not that I'm even tough at all but some of my friends were actually uh, tough so I kind of just hung out next to them and I started to talk to my sister and my brother-in-law and I said you know how amazing that day is because that day would have been very dangerous for me because I was so hyped up, I was so excited, I was so ramp, uh, just on a rampage with my friends that I think I would have grabbed one of these things that we had in our hands and I would have used it and it would have been a disaster this night. I don't know if I would have hurt someone that night by by just stupid friendships and stupid actions. I don't know if I would have done. And I have many stories like that, not so serious, some that are just funny. And I could say, man, now that I'm in Christ, I look back and I could say God was holding me together and I even see it in those days and all of that was because God did actually love me then. He really did love me. He didn't cause certain things to happen. Hey, how about some of you in your lives, he just caused some things to happen because if not, there was no other way that he was going to show you that, man, I need to let this happen to you, to tell you and to show you that I love you. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. Yesterday we had an amazing meeting here yesterday with, with our leaders and we sang some worship and we, we, I, we didn't do it. Tito played the guitar. I, tried to say, I literally sat next to him and I said, I'm going to sing with you in my head. I didn't tell him, but I tried to lead worship with him yesterday. But Ali was led by the Holy Spirit and sat next to me and drowned me out. To, uh, <laughs> but we had an amazing time here, just us, and we haven't done that in a while. And we just confessed, and we were speaking, and one of our brothers opened up the word, and he was sharing some of his weaknesses and what God was dealing with him. And, and uh, we prayed for another one of our brothers in the leadership that was going through something, and it was so amazing to see that within a group of, of leaders, that God was so strong in the midst of our messes, in the midst of our weakness. And I think we saw that yesterday as a group and as a team. And now we're here with a bigger team and a bigger group. And I think that is forever true, even here in this room. I could go back to my life, and, and you could go back to your life, and you could go back to your present life and tell me story among stories among stories. How God has hand, how God's hands been over you. And the answer is because he's never stopped Loving you. Thank you, Lord. Nancy puts up with me in a way that not many people would put up with me. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It is true. And I look at the way she deals with me. And I get mad at her sometimes. But the truth is, she's just dealing with me. I'm the one that's a mess. And I look at Nancy in my life and I say, that's kind of proof that God loves me. And then, in my craziness, he gives me the opportunity to be a father. And I stare at my children now to be, and I say, that's more proof that God loves me. And I could go story among story, even in my present life, and I, all I could say it's because God loves us. I think about Pastor Javier's message last week. He briefly spoke about the immoral woman who was at the feet of Jesus, remember? In Luke chapter 7. Most likely the prostitute of the city. Comes with expensive perfume, pours it on Jesus' feet, weeping, kissing his feet. <laughs> That's odd. The Pharisees who invited Jesus over in Luke chapter 7, in verse 39, what did they tell Jesus? If this man, <laughs> oh man, if he knew what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Well, who else? Who else is going to touch Jesus? So Jesus goes on a teachable rant with Simon, this Pharisee, who invited him over, and at the end, he says these beautiful, these great words, verse 47, 8, 9, and verse 50. Look at this. He says, I tell you. Look what he tells He says, her sins, and they are many, Jesus wasn't the man. there are many. They have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And Jesus says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. We look at this woman and what do we label her? Oh, the prostitute woman. Jesus didn't even label her like that. Not once. But we know her in scripture as, oh yeah, the prostitute. Oh yeah, the Samaritan woman. Oh yeah, the criminal at the cross. Oh, yeah. we 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 label men. You label me, I label you. We label each other. We label them outside. We label the church next door. We label the we label everyone. And God looks at us and He just labels us with His love instead. And. He looks at this woman, he says, your sins are forgiven. And then the men at the table again say, who is this man that he continues to go around forgiving sins? And Jesus, again, just ignoring what they're saying, says, woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I read this and I say this is the revelation of God's heart that we don't fully understand that his heart is for the brokenness of humanity. There is nothing that the religious people can do to stop God's mission for the world to save them in their broken state. And it's still going on today and there is nothing that anyone can do to stop God's plan for humanity. His heart is to to save humanity in their brokenness, in their hurt, in their sin, in their shame, in their hypocrisy. Woman, your sins are forgiven. How many of you need to hear that today? Hey, your sins are forgiven. Everyone say why. Why? Come on, say "Why?" why. Because God loves you. He sent Jesus to forgive you of your sins. He sent Jesus to do it for you. I want to quote the author one more time. He says this. I'll quote him maybe two more times. He says, God isn't intimidated, disgusted, or frustrated with our humanity. He is perfectly comfortable with the messiness that is mankind. And Psalm 103, verse 13 and 14, it should really poke at your heart. Look what it says. It says, the Lord is like a father to his children. Tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are and he remembers that we are only dust. So if we were perfectly accepted, if we are perfectly accepted as we are, what is our motivation of change? And one theologian says this, and listen to what he says. He says, most of us were taught that God would love us if and when we change. In fact, God loves you so that you can change. What empowers change, what makes you desirous of change is the experience of love. It is that inherent experience of love that becomes the engine of change. So he tells the woman in John 8, if you can remember this story, she was caught in adultery. There you go again, labeling her the woman caught in adultery. As she was caught in adultery, in John chapter 8, Jesus looks at her. And what does Jesus ask her? Does anyone remember? Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them stay to condemn you? And the woman looks at the Lord and says, no, Lord. And Jesus says to her, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Do you see God's heart there? I could keep going. In Luke chapter 19, these are all passages that we've preached here throughout the years. In Luke 19, there is a shameful, there is a despised tax collector. Climbs up a tree looking for Jesus, walking down his town. Everyone, they can't stand him. He's a crook to many of them, he's a hypocrite, tax collectors despised, very rich but man, very shameful. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Zacchaeus, quick, come down and I must be a guest in your home today. You continue to read that story, Zacchaeus' his whole household on that day received salvation. You see God's heart there? You could go to another one if you want in Luke chapter 23 verse 43. There's a criminal, there we go, labeling, continue to label, tax collector, criminal, adulterous woman, woman at the well, the prostitute, here we go. Here's a criminal on the cross hanging next to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him, he says, I assure you today that you will be with me in paradise. You see God's heart there? It's all over the scriptures. This Wednesday, many of you didn't make it, but In our midweek service, we spoke about Saul and his conversion, you know, the Apostle Paul. And he was interrupted on the road to Damascus. If you remember this story in Acts 9, and he's ready to persecute Christians. And as he's ready to go with letters from the high priest to go to persecute Christians, we see that there's an interruption and we see God's love for Paul. And it interrupts him. How many of you could say that God's love interrupted your life? It's awesome. Because God's love interrupts him. And and I wrote this down because of what the author was saying. and, and, And as I remembered Wednesday's study, I thought about this. And I wrote, God's love for him, what a gift to Paul on that day. What a gift. Notice the word I'm using. What a gift. To receive God's love that brought forth his conversion. And I really mean this, and I'm going to ask the worship team as they come up, and, and we, I want to sing that song again, really get into the presence of God with the church together. But I look at God, Paul's life, and what a great example Paul is. Paul is a great example. When you think about Paul, Paul wasn't even aiming for the love of Christ. Think about that. When you look at Paul's life, he, was actually, he actually hated Christ And he hated everyone who was spreading the teachings of Christ. He was out to imprison them, arrest them. He was out to even kill like he killed Stephen two chapters before. But God's love for Paul and God loved Paul so much that he poured his great gift on Paul or in Paul. And this great gift of God's love forever changed Paul I want to share this quote. The goal of change is not God's love. God's love is the gift that makes the goals possible. When we treat a gift like a goal, both are weakened. So here's my charge to you, church. Church, God's love for you is the gift that makes your change possible that's it that's it because the criminal on the cross even the adulterous woman though she was pouring perfume on his feet costly perfume and we could go all throughout the scriptures none of those people had much to give none of those people had much in their hands much to live for. Hey, what did the adulterous woman can go back to and live for it? Not a good business actually. I mean, she made a lot of money, but not a good business. And we could go down to every single one of these guys, the tax collector. You're really happy in what you're doing. You're making a lot of money, but you're happy taking money, extra money from your brethren. But all throughout scripture, all of mankind, what do we see? They come in contact, they get interrupted by a love that is so amazing. A love that is so strong. A love that really we don't deserve. And we could truly say this, it is a love that is God's gift to all of us. And that love, when we are drenched with that love, when that love is poured in us, then we see, finally, that makes change possible in me. That makes the change possible. God's love is my gift. It's a gift that was given to me, His gift for me, that makes my change possible. Because I know what it is to live a life that was not even aiming for His love. I share this story many times with you many times with many that I stand before or teach in front of I'll never forget being younger living in sin doing some of the things I was doing waiting for my mom to be asleep to finally get home so she doesn't look into my eyes she doesn't ask me questions I could just run upstairs to my room and get in my bed and when all the stuff came off and when everything was over My ears were still ringing from whatever party I was at. I'll never forget my my tears every single night on my bed. Lord, if I die today, I feel like I'm going to hell. I don't know you. Please change me. I can't change it. I promise you that God, on my life right now before the Lord, that that was my prayer every night while I was living in sin. Lord, I can't change myself. You need to change me. I used to pray that every single day to God. While I was medicated on stuff that was my prayer and now I'm older and I'm reading this book and it just reminds me of stuff and it reminds me to share it to you that even those days on that bed with tears literally coming out of my eyes and crying out Lord I can't change change me I recognize today in my mid thirties that even then God loved me and I know he loves me because I stand before you today proclaiming to you that God also loves you. God, loves you. God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And maybe you could relate to me and say, I know what it is to pray for change and I can't change. Many of you like, I've been praying that for years. I know exactly what you're talking about, so I. You just got to receive God's great gift of love for you. That's what makes your change possible. As we get ready to worship, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I want you to really examine your heart. We're going to sing this song again because it just goes perfect with what we're talking about today. But right there where you're at, if this has spoken to you, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't do anything. No one here can really do anything. But you know God is speaking to your heart today. You know that he's interrupted you today. Maybe you're sitting there now you're standing and, and it's evident that God is pouring his love upon your life. And that love is what makes change possible. It's God's great gift to you. I want you to open up your heart. And I want you to confess that, Lord, I can't change myself. I receive your love in my life, I receive that interruption in my life. Paul was out to destroy those of your name and in one second you transformed his life forever because he came in contact with a love that is so strong forever changed because you loved him and I know that today I could be forever changed because you love me we could be forever changed because you God love us so the altars open of your heart Lift it up. Ask him to do a miracle. If you need prayer, if you need someone just to pray for you, with you, in agreement with you, and just hold your hand and, and say, What do you want prayer for? We're going to ask you that. I'm going to ask you that. The altar's open. Come up and we will pray for you for strength, though we can't give it to you. But we'll pray strength into your life. We'll pray that God just reveals himself. So, we're going to worship him. If you want to come up and get on your knees, we'll pray with you. But if this message was right there for you, open up your heart. Let God do that miracle right now and worship him freely and just spend some time lost in his presence. The altar's open if you need prayer. Anyone else? Go ahead, let's worship our God.